Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Bergman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Eric on uh, Twitter says, do you think the way Carlos Correa's uh, contract played out works in the Astros' favor? I think it um, I think it backs up their team philosophy, that they're not willing sure. to do huge long-term deals. Uh, so, yeah, I think it does. Uh, now, in terms of an Astros-Tucker extension, I don't think Carlos Correa's situation matters at all. I, I think that it's an isolated incident. Completely. I think each individual situation is its own private entity. It's, 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 you can't just say never. Like, we're never going to do this contract. Because lo and behold, the minute you say it, there's going to be a once-in-a-generational a or a once-in-a-lifetime or a once-in-a-situation type talent that you feel like you can't live without that you have to wrap up. And so you can't say that, but you can say that, you know, given those, there's always an exception to the rule, but the rule for them is going to be that we're not going to give out contracts at a length in which the return investment is going to be little to none for the back half of the deal. And we're going to avoid those as much as we possibly can. And I think that they've set that precedence over and over again that we've seen Correa is one of the last ones, so that's the one that everybody remembers. But we go down the list of the big names of Astros history that have been allowed to walk out the door. You don't always want to see that. And even as an organization, you don't like that to be the norm and what you're known for when getting into negotiations with some of your better talent. But you're also not going to make dumb moves that that kind of provide a, a thorn in your side when you're trying to maintain this golden run of Astros baseball. And so you're making smart financial decisions. And sometimes they're going to they're gonna piss fans off and they're going to tug at their heartstrings. But they're not thinking with their hearts. They're thinking with their brain and their baseball hats on to say this is not the best opportunity for our baseball team if we want to continue to have longevity with success. Dome Fomers on Twitter says that he could get eight or ten years in the free market, which which he could. He absolutely could. But that's coming in 2026. That's coming after the 24 season, after the 25 season. So he's he's losing money in the immediate for hoping that he makes it up in the long term. And then the other thing that uh, Dome Fulmer said, he says the market is saying 8 to 10 years, $300 million plus for Kyle Tucker. Look, if Kyle Tucker was a free agent right now, I think he could get $300 million 10 years. So I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree that he could get 310 years if he was a free agent this offseason. But to what Joe's point was just a second ago, if you're giving Tucker 240 for six, he'll be a free agent again at 33. Let's say he takes a $100 million deal for four years after that, which I think is in play. That's sure only $25 million a year for a player who's still going to be 33 years old. Add those two things together, that's a 10-year deal for 340. Yeah. So I actually think that Kyle Tucker would actually, if he's still a good baseball player at the end of the 240 for six, which if he isn't, he's a genius for taking 240 over six, right? Because he's taking the guaranteed money up front. More front. That when, because he enters for free agency again at a still pretty you know young-ish age, maybe like post-prime slightly, maybe on the downside slightly, but still plenty of baseball left to play. He signs a four-year, $100 million deal. 246-year deal, $100 million four-year deal. That's 340 for 10. Cal Tucker comes out like a bandit. Cal Tucker comes out with more money going that route. So to me, this pleases both parties. It makes Kyle Tucker the highest-paid offensive player tied with Aaron Judge. The Astros, yes, they bite the bullet, pay him tons of money, but they do it on the short-term deal that they want. This, to me, is the compromise. This, to me, is the happy medium if Kyle Tucker is going to be an Astro after this club control. Can we negotiate now? 
Sure. If he go- wants to go to eight, would you consider it? No. I'm at not. The same, at the same no, AAV? No, no, no. That, that's a different – like, would you go to eight years but drop the AAV no. by five years? No, year? the years is my hanging point here, not the AAV. That's you my know, hanging point. But like, if you signed him today and you gave him eight years, he would be a free agent going to year 35. So, like, you're that's still – that's, that's too old for me. Yeah. That's too old for me. Now, if you want to go team option year seven, team option year eight, okay. But because now it's my decision – if you want to throw those in there, okay, fine. You want to throw some those team are options? so tough to get done, though, to have exactly. it. Exactly. Agents the hate The mutuals them. are easy, but the, one, player options. but the team option is not something you're right. that you're, that's just hard to get done. You're, you're 100% right. It's going to be really interesting to see like how Jim Crane handles this because he's also, at some point over the, this, in theory, contract, his level of, of income as the Astros owner is going to raise by a ton. Eventually, Craneville is going to get yes, built, and every restaurant and parking lot – and bar and shopping center around Minute Maid Park is going to be owned and operated by his corporation. And, like, he's just going to be raking in money before every single game and after. So it's like he's going to have the funds to do this. But is he, he has them now. But will he be willing to go into the luxury tax? That's the question. That's, See, but I think he's still going to be a shrewd, a shrewd owner as it relates to player decisions. Because you're right. I mean, you look at A.J. Przinsky and everybody took notice of what we've already known which is that this place is always filled up. Like, the fans are unbelievable. They're always there. And then you look at, they're already over 2 million fans looking at another 3 million fan season for attendance. It's amazing. But the thing is, you've got to sustain winning because we know that fans will fall off that bandwagon again the minute that they start falling off their win totals a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and, like, I get the luxury tax, but there's going to be so much money coming in. We also think that at some point Jim Crane's going to wake up one day with, like, what, like $120 million plus extra in his bank account when they expand by two teams over this next six-year stretch? Like, there's going to be so much income. John Heyman just put it out. Major League Baseball attendance is up 9.3% this season. The Astros' attendance is on pace to way past last year's. Like, everything about this season and this team shows that they should be making a ton of money in the future. The It depends on the luxury tax, though. Like, I hear everything that you're saying. Crane's going to treat the luxury tax number, the CBT, as a salary. But, tax. like, how long are you in luxury tax for? Two years? Because, like, you sign him today. No, you get taxed immediately. No, I know. But, like, at, at some point, you, this means Alex Bregman's gone, right? Alex I, Bregman, would, I would say so. Alex Bregman's gone, so that $30 million contract is completely off the book books. And Kyle Tucker, his salary is now equivalent to Alex Bregman now and Kyle Tucker now. Well, the, the, the CBT next year is two thirty seven. $237 million in 2024. As it stands now, look, you have to factor in like arbitration, things like that. Like, There's going to be current players on this team that get bumped up because of arbitration. But right now, the Astros' total payroll allocations next year is roughly $180 million. So you're looking at around, let's just call it 50. Let's say that the average bump with the arbitration numbers, let's, let's throw in some funny money there. Let's say that it's $50 million. You have $50 million to spend. Like You don't have a lot to spend in free agency. You're maybe an outfielder, maybe a left fielder. Maybe I, I backup bat bullpen, somewhere on maybe. the bench too. Yeah, but that's like a three four million dollar yeah, deal. That that's much. not that's not really much that's going to move the needle. So the Astros, what did I say? Fifty million dollars. And so, Kyle Tucker would in theory account for forty of that. Thirty because he's probably going to make ten million dollars next year with oh, his arbitration. True. So yeah. that's like a thirty million dollars. So if you sign Kyle Tucker to the forty million, you take away his estimated ten million dollars of arbitration. That's a net of thirty million dollars into the fifty you have to spend. You still have twenty million dollars in wiggle room, and that's before Alex Bregman even comes off the books. Framber Valdez comes off the books. Like you have the room to to absorb a forty million dollar contract for. Well, I mean, this would be a six year deal. Well, and think about like after two years, 
right now, Fromber, Bregman, Altuve, and most likely Verlander, and I know his salary is much lower than we thought it was going to be, would all be off the books. Lance McCullers isn't far past that. Like, there's going to be, during this in theory six year contract, a ton of money for the Astros to play with. Like, this is the first time they can pay a guy. And it won't be a detriment to their roster, to the salary tax, all of that stuff. And the Ordon salary helps a ton. Yes, it does. the fact that you wrapped them up at such a bargain—the best contract. They need in to baseball. build a statue for. But for I, but Jim I do Crane. worry about I mean, the James fact Click. that at a certain point, if Jordan, you know, obviously when he sits out games and has the injuries that he has, and it seems to be okay, you lose a little bit of your bargaining power. But at a certain point, when we've seen what. Deshaun did, and Harden did, and Dame's doing, and and it's. Becoming, when have you seen this in baseball? Well, I'm saying you haven't seen it yet, but you've seen a a, a, a pattern amongst professional athletes with contracts, long term deals that shows they can get out whenever they want to get out, or they can say they're going to sit out or want to trade. You've never seen it in baseball, but I think, but I think the day is coming. I think that you're going to get a disgruntled Jordan and his agent at a certain point. That says, look, I know that we ended up giving you a deal, but come on, man. So what do you want to do? You want to rip up Jordan's contract and give him a new one? He like, wants what, that. You're, I mean, you, I know what, Crane what, what are you doing, though? I'm just saying. I'm just telling you that, it's going to come to the forefront at no, a certain I, point. I, I respect the opinion, but what's the plan? I mean, the plan is if you're Jim Crane, how hard, how much hardball are you going to play? Because you know that if you, you, know, you deal with a disgruntled player, and if he doesn't get what he wants, not that he's going to wear a fat suit or date a Kardashian— <laughs> or do some of the other things that some of the guys have done. Could you imagine you were But, I mean, you know, he could start taking it down a notch. He could start caring a little less. And it could have an adverse effect on your team, too. So, I I just think that's on the table to consider as well when you're making these decisions when you're the Astros. So, yeah, for me, it's just no consideration. Because they signed the contract. Like, they they knew. Easy to say, but you've seen it actually where they you know teams have tried to say that and put their foot down. At a certain point... It's either they sit out and you work out the messiness of like Deshaun four, when he, he didn't show like up for practice every day. Left. Well, yeah, I just don't. I, I don't know how you conduct business. David Mulgetta would be on line one. I just don't know. I just don't know how you conduct business with like, okay, we gave Jordan this and we're going to upset Jordan if we sign a player. You literally would not sign a free agent that's worth twenty million dollars a year, like because you're making Jordan mad. You can't conduct business that way. Well, I mean. See, you're right. It hasn't happened in baseball, but I just think it's it's not that it's going to become the overall norm. But because it's been done before, it's only a matter of time before somebody starts trying to do it in baseball, too. But and you can't. I understand that. And you're probably right. It will happen. But you can't operate like Jordan's going to do it. Like, you cross that bridge if it ever happens. You can't be, You can't say, no, I'm not giving this offer to Kyle Tucker because I'm so no, concerned big, about what Jordan look, Alvarez is going to say. It's a factor. It, it would be something that I'd have to consider as I'm weighing everything. It's not the number one factor. It's not the most pressing concerns. The concerns for me are still that's a lot of money per year. And he's still got to perform at this level, uh, I, you know. And you're going to be ne- negotiating not just against yourselves, but you know, if you do let him get to the open market, there are going to be teams that are going to willing to give him the years and the money that he wants, whether you think it's right or not. But you also have to weigh the rest of your payroll. Yes, other things that Joe mentioned with Craneville and all these other things coming are going to weigh into it. But I, I do think that they've done a really good job sticking to their overall rules when it comes to negotiations and i think even a deal like this would be tough for them to swallow now they they're willing to give you aav and over aav 
They're just not willing to go long-term with it. So 240 for six for Kyle Tucker. Who says no? 713-780-3776. Let's get to the playoff rotation conversation. The Astros are skipping Hunter Brown, which they're making sure that Justin Verlander is pitching every fifth day because he's a bit of a diva. Now, I do like this. I do like what the Astros are doing with this. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, Houston, you're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. So the Astros are going to skip Hunter Brown in the rotation. He's moving to the bullpen for the Miami series, and they plan to get him back in the five-man, six-man rotation. Who knows what they're going to do after Thursday's off day. Thinking here is to give Justin Verlander his normal rest, four days versus five days. Josh Miller, I was reading the um, Chandler Rums article in The Athletic today. Josh Miller says this is not this is not a Justin Verlander being Justin Verlander thing. It's not a diva Justin Verlander thing. The Astros made this decision. They feel it is for the best interest of the Astros for Justin Verlander to make his turn through the rotation, normal rest, four days rest, pitch on the fifth day, limit Hunter Brown's innings. What do you make of the uh, the decision by the Houston Astros? I think it's I think it's in the best interest of Hunter Brown right now. I think it's the best interest of the Astros right now. I think that it's easy to kind of spin it the way you want to see it with JV. JV hasn't pitched a full season anyway. Remember, he started the year with that that injury where he he missed the first what month plus of the season. But I think that the JV getting you know back into acclimated to the system and you know Maldi and everything that's going on. I got no problem with him right now for the short term. Going on a five, you know, going every fifth day. I think Hunter Brown needed some rest. I think Hunter Brown has been on a on a crash course since he got called up. I think Hunter Brown has, you know, given everything he possibly can. But I think that both mentally and physically, he just seems like he might be pressing a little bit. He's gone through a lot. He's tried to do a lot. He's had some struggles. Last start looked better, but I think that I don't. If it's just one start through the rotation that he misses, so be it. You're talking about a longer frame of time that you're expecting things out of him again this year with an expected long playoff run. I have no problem with him missing a start, and whether you use him in the bullpen or not, just kind of getting your mind right, take a little less off your arm, I think it'll be fine. I have no problem with uh, this decision. Hunter Brown is working a lot. And it, I know people, Brown, you, you, you had a problem whenever they did this with J.P. France. Well, J.P. France should be the priority with how he's pitching. Hunter Brown does not need to be the priority right now because love his stuff, bullish about Hunter Brown, bullish about Hunter Brown's future. I think he'll contend for a Cy Young someday. Right now, the results aren't equal to even J.P. France, to Justin Verlander, to Framber Valdez. Like, those guys should take priority over what, you know, Hunter Brown's decision should be, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why I'm okay with it with the Justin Verlander-Hunter Brown decision, but not the J.P. France-Jose Arquiti conversation. Hunter Brown's going to throw more innings than he's ever thrown before in his life. Also, the Justin Verlander effect here. Look, I was one of those people that said that Justin Verlander can use the benefit of a six-man rotation, that the, the extra days off and stuff could be really good for, for Justin Verlander. It allows him to, to have more time to repair. It allows him to have more time to rest, all of those things. But then you look at Justin Verlander's career, you look at Justin Ver not, not even his career, because I think it's unfair to look at Verlander's career, because he's not the same pitcher he was five, days, right. seven, ten years ago. Justin Verlander the last two years, this year and last year, his numbers are way better 
on normal four days rest, pitching a fifth day, than having the extra day. Verlander, a creature of habit, has been better when he's pitching on a normal turn versus the extra day off. So, look, if you're chasing the Rangers, everybody's texting us saying the Astros, they should put you know the pedal to the metal chasing the Rangers. They're doing that with this decision. I think offensively, you can say that they should put the pedal to the metal with the lineup they put out there. I think when you're talking about the pitching, we know that the bullpen numbers are way, way up for a lot of guys in terms of appearances. But when you look at what this what the starting pitching has gone to, gone through, when you look at, aside from Justin Verlander, who wants to, and, and to your point, has been effective, I think Justin Verlander last year in the playoffs was gassed. I, I think that as much as he wanted to go to the five-man rotation, especially coming right off of Tommy John surgery, I, I think it was a different Justin Verlander, and it wasn't a good one. I, I think it wasn't at his best. Let's put it that way. But I think that right now, the six-man rotation could benefit just about anybody other than Justin Verlander. I think, you know, Fromber has gone through his ups and downs, and he has really, at the forefront of this rotation, taken on a, lo- a lot. Now, Fromber is getting an extra day. So is Javier. And I think he deserves it. And I think and I, I'm Not even deserves it. He needs it. I think Javier needs it. I think that Hunter Brown needs it. I think that you already gave J.P. France a, a, an undeserved emotion to some degree when you took a little off of his plate by not giving him the start you gave to Urquidy when Urquidy first came back. But I think I don't think that he really needs it. I think it's year two with J.P. France where you got to watch if he continues to sustain doing what he's been doing that you don't want to give him too much, have him pitch too often to where it starts to be a problem, kind of like what you've seen with Javier. I think that this is fine right now. I think that it actually benefits this team going into the playoffs because the playoffs a year ago doing primarily the six-man until J.V. didn't want to do it, I think actually helped Fromber. I think it can help some of your younger arms because I think that's what you really got to manage the most. I think these guys that have been throwing a little too much, your concern is you don't want all of them gassed when you get to the playoffs. And I think you have to, whether you do it individual by individual or you do it with the six man, I think it has to be done. I, I agree with the, the Verlander in the playoffs. Like he did seem a little taxed, especially a year removed off of TJ. Hopefully it's more TJ than it is old age. Uh, Verlander's numbers this year. Whenever he's on four days rest, normal rest, 3-0, ERA. He's got an 0-90 ERA and five starts, 3-0 record. Small sample, sure, but that's still five starts. That's still sure. 30 innings. Whenever he has the extra day, he's got a 247 ERA. That was last year, 2022. So, look, those were still really good numbers, but it takes a little bit of a dip. You look at the uh, the numbers last year for Justin Verlander, uh, 4-0, 0-95 ERA. The extra day, 391 ERA. So, Pitching him on four days rest the last two years, he's been a much better pitcher than that extra day. Now, it does throw in the workload conversation, which is one that you have to have. Now, if you simplify this to layman's terms, though, like the Astros are chasing the Rangers. They're two and a half back. Do you want Justin Verlander, who has an ERA of 319 making a start, or do you want Hunter Brown, who has an ERA of 423 making a start? You have a better chance to win with Verlander on the mound. But this is what I also was talking about, Jeremy. You can either do it as a team with a six-man rotation, or you can do it individually by just taking a guy out and skipping a start, you know, until everybody's gotten a little extra rest. You can keep the five-man rotation, but you can do it with, with six guys to where each week you're giving someone else or each turn through, you can give short term, you can give a guy a, a, a skip. Just because of the fact that one way or another, I think you do have to address the fact that this entire pitching staff has been taxed in terms of appearances and innings. Now, moving Brown to the bullpen, 
in theory, should make it a little easier for the bullpen because now you have an extra arm there. If you're in a situation where a starter only goes five or four, you have Hunter Brown that can give you two to three uh, that can pitch it to the back end. So in theory, it should help out the bullpen as it well. It should, but he's only going to do that once, right? Because yeah. he's, they want him stretched out, and he's going to take a long uh, a long appearance, and then he's probably not going to be available for several days. And, and I think that they're sooner rather than later, they're going to throw him back into the, the rotation anyway. So yeah, short term, it helps the bullpen too, which they need the help. But I just think this is there's two ways of doing it. You can just go six man and say JV tough. We're going to do it this way. But if you're not going to do it, you can still each trip through. You can actually give a guy a, a skip in the in the rotation is, and get the same accomplishment. Is this the better path or what? I don't know if we're going to see a, a Perez, the young the young 19 year old kid from the Marlins. Oh yeah, Yuri they, Yuri Perez. They sent him down back down to the minors right before the All Star break basically dropped his pitch count where he was only pitching one or two innings a game for like a couple weeks, rebuilt him back up, and now he's back in the big leagues. Didn't he pitch yesterday? Yeah. Oh, maybe he did pitch yesterday. Yeah, I think he pitched yesterday. So, so like, the Astros won't see him. Yeah, he's awesome. He's um, really good. But like they, that, was, be really good. that was their path. Like They were like, you know what? We got this young kid. We're going to send him down. I don't like the sending down aspect. I didn't like the, And they dropped yeah, him down think- to like one or two innings. I think this is fine. Like You go with the six-man rotation when you need it. Mm-hmm. If not, you just skip J.P. France, Hunter Brown, I don't like that Christian part. Javier. I don't like the J.P. France part. Yeah, J.P. France is deserving start. Yeah, I, I but, went off on that. Uh, is it about deserving starts or is it about saving his arm? Uh, I want well. I want JP France doesn't need to be normal rotation. He can have an extra day, but I don't want the France being skipped going to the bullpen. If you're going to do that, then Hunter Brown needs to be doing that. Even Jose Arquini needs to be doing that. Maybe even Christian Javier needs to do that. JP France that. is JP France is my third most prioritized pitcher right now. Verlander, Fromber, one A, one B, and quite honestly, JP France. What if they did it with what if they did with with JP France? Not what they're doing with Hunter Brown. What if they did it with all those guys besides Fromber and JV? Where like every time through like the rotation, I'm okay with it. One of them, you know, moved to the bullpen for a start. I'm cool with it. And then just like they move right back into the rotation right after that. Now, France just, has already done his, so we can we can leave him alone. Yeah, he's got three more. Right. He's got three more yeah. times through. I'm so right he's got that. a while. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Out to the HRP listener line. Dre, you're in the high with the Killer Bees. What's up, Dre? Hey, fellas. Hey, Joe just stole my thunder. Uh, Sorry, Dre. Shouldn't have taken my call. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, I was curious, you know, why Why did J.P. France go back out for the seventh inning the other night? You know, when if, if they're trying to save his arm, then why are you throwing him an extra inning when you're up 7-2? to two? That just doesn't make sense to me. And now with Hunter Brown being skipped one time in the rotation, are, are they going to maybe start doing this the rest of the year with these three young guys? And uh, you know, like I said, Joe stole my thunder. Appreciate it, fellas. I don't. What did? What, I don't understand. What? Uh, thanks for stealing Dre's thunder, Joe. How dare you? What, what was the me. question though? Who got pulled? I think he said no. Me. I stole his thunder. I thought no, he said Joe. No, he said me because oh. I guess I misunderstood what he was going to say. So I said what he was going to say <laughs> oh, before funny. he said it. Oh, um, so you you actually did it on the Bush League movie? Yeah, I guess I. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I think he was asking. Great, welcome th- to who said it. JP France went back out there. Why he went back out there? I think the reason why J.P. France went back out there is because of the fact that the bullpen is taxed, too, and Dusty thought that his pitch count wasn't overly high, so he could relax a little bit, because at that point, didn't they open up the lead? He threw 100 pitches in that game. So I like, know he did. He probably was around 85 pitches. So he I, was. He I, was 85 going into the inning or right around there. He definitely, because I was looking at it going, man, he's definitely going over a hundo. I don't, I don't mind him going back an extra inning. But they I, score, and they also scored four runs in the eighth. But so that still, was my point. They had a cushion that it wasn't. Not yet. 
Not yet. Whenever he whenever he came back out for the seventh, it was only a four run game. But still, four runs is enough to where I don't mm. think he's I don't think he's like high leveraging every mm. single pitch. But you're okay with him pitching the seventh? Or you thought they should have taken him uh, out? It wasn't great, but Dre, uh. Dre is asking why, and I said, but if I can try and justify it from an Astros Dusty standpoint. His bullpen has been taxed too, and he's yeah. been taxing it more. I'm actually he's trying what? to save them. I I remember I remember the situation now because I actually tweeted I'm going JP France for the seventh because I had no pro- I would have used JP France in the seventh. He was cruising. His I didn't pitch like count it, was in the eighties. It was only a four run game. Four run game's not safe. Dusty Baker uses his closer in a four run game. I didn't like it simply because of the fact that I thought with a four run lead you didn't need to keep going to him. But I can see why the Astros did it justifying it from Dusty and the Astros' perspective of the back of your bullpen has been, for the most part, all season long, lights out. You, you know who you can get to the guys that are going to get you the outs, and and you can almost monitor and, and make sure that Jay, I mean that uh, he doesn't over overextend himself or, or get to a point where now he's in a jam. You didn't, Dusty likes to like, forget the fact that you get to get someone up, too, and get ready to come into the game. Because that's that's the main thing. If I'm going to send him back out there, I better have someone warm and ready to go in a moment's notice. He had a guy getting more loose at the start of the inning. I but believe. I'm saying more times than not, he doesn't do that as part of the equation. Who was it a couple starts ago? Was it the Fromber game where he didn't have someone warming up and threw Fromber back out there? I don't remember him doing it lately. I know he has a, a history of doing that. I feel like he's been a little no, better about it, though. No, because I think you called him out on it because that was the game where you said Fromber oh, should was, have been yeah, back out that there. That was right after the All-Star game. Not only did he throw him back out there, but he didn't have anybody warming. Yeah. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. Will Abitz coming up next. See what the Will has in store for us. We'll see what Joe George has in store for us. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. It's the Wheel of Bits on the Killer Bees. Kibbles and bits, kibbles and bits. I'm going to get you some kibbles and bits. Who knows the bits the bees will begrudgingly bite? Well, let's find out. It's time to call your shot. Here's Joe and Jeremy. And Joe. <laughs> Got it? Uh, uh, time to call your shot. Oh, okay. Call our shots. Sounds good. Let's call our shots. All right, we are gonna, we're going to help the people today. At least two of the three of us are going to help the people. I don't really know what to expect yeah. from Joel Blank in this segment. <laughs> what? He doesn't uh, know what to expect from you, Joel Blank, in this segment. I don't know. How much, I, I, I can understand S2. You don't think I can understand Joe George? You I asked what? I just don't understand how, how much of a... singling me out? I don't know how much of a fantasy footballer you <laughs> I don't either, but football? I'm here for it. I, I so, do fantasy football. So we're going to help the people He won today. the last league he was in. Right. It was a while ago. So call your shot. We're going to go through the top three positions, quarterback, wide receiver, running back. Who is going to be the number one quarterback in fantasy football for the 2023 season, call your oh, shot. Oh, I know why you're asking us this. No, I just no. It's just the question because my answer is not Justin. Well, that's why you're asking it, though. No, I just want to know who your answer is. Why did you say it's not Justin? Because he won't be my. Because I don't think he's going to run enough. Oh, you're talking about Justin Fields? Yeah, yeah. About I thought Justin you meant Fields. Justin Herbert. Oh, that's interesting. you didn't you didn't see this tweet from Eric Moody, the uh, ESPN fantasy guy, the new Matthew Berry. Oh no! He said that uh, it was. I was actually going to be on a cash or trash for tomorrow, but whatever. Um, oh, no, I totally missed this. Justin Herbert, his Wait, number he one quarterback. The axe on um, Matthew Barry. No, he, well, he, he got left, rid of him last year, right? He what, he left, left on his own. Oh, he did leave on his yeah. own. Yeah. Free agent. Yeah, he, he was free agent yeah. in the fantasy football oh. analyst business. They do Great a lot. Of, didn't, was lot it of Eric Carabell? Didn't they let someone else go when they did the last sweep through? They fired so many people. Yeah, they did. Yeah, Eric Moody. He said that he's their new fantasy guy. He says that. Justin Herbert, number oh. one fantasy quarterback this year. I don't hate that answer. I don't hate. I think Justin Herbert's going to have a fantastic fantasy football season. Fantastic. Yeah, I think Joe Burrow is season. too, but I think Joe Burrow's calf. You think he's going to miss time though? I think he might. I don't think so. 
I think he might. I kind of hope he does. Why? I want to pick the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to oh. rush him back first and foremost. But I think that the level that it seems like he did that is normally more like six to eight weeks to really get it back. And then they're not going to push him early in the season to where I think he might miss some games. I think he's going to. I don't I have no idea. I have no idea. All right. Who's going to be the number one quarterback in fantasy football for the 2023 season? Man, that's a good question. Your answer is? I'll still say Patrick Mahomes okay. just because of the fact that they're going to blow a ton of teams out and they, they've they given him more weapons. Uh, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is is the guy. I know he doesn't rush for as many yards as a lot of guys, but I like it was Mahomes or Jalen Hurts to me because Jalen Hurts is still going to get yards on the ground, but I think even the Eagles are trying to reduce the amount of times that he could get in harm's way by running. Mm. So I'll say Mahomes. All right, I'm going to be a diva here. I'm going to be a Justin Verlander. Can you give us the... Yeah. Uh, what do you want? You want you, half? I want it half. Half point PPR? I don't, that doesn't bother oh, me. Doesn't that doesn't affect the quarterback. But can you tell me the passing touchdown points? What is it, what is it normally? <sighs> six? It's, it's usually 50-50. Like, standard leagues are usually four, but most edited leagues are six. Well, let's like call it down the middle. It's called five. five. Well, I've never heard of a league that plays five-point uh, passing touchdown. That doesn't weird. matter. That's but bizarre. I'm, make, I'm going down the middle. I want to say I've played in a couple leagues where they had five points. Really? I don't know. I always have wondered, why did we go from four to six? I think most people had it at six at first, and then they diminished passing touchdowns because they thought it would be like equal playing. I don't know why they did that. But the standard in most days is four. I I prefer six. Six was Michael Vick, wasn't it? I don't think that would affect it. I feel like it was because you wanted. I don't know what the. I don't know. I don't know the history beyond. Well, six and four. Well, that's why I wanted to know six or four because if it's six touchdowns, six point. Uh, right, teams, we'll go, we'll I'm going go six. If it's six, I'm going Mahomes because now you're talking about passing touchdowns mattering a lot. Mm-hmm. That running game, I don't love. Like they're fine. Like Pacheco's fine, especially as a six rounder. McKinnon's a you know you're throwing to McKinnon. I don't believe in Clyde edwards hilaire Like you're not going to score many points running the football if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they're going to score tons of points. So if it's a six-point passing touchdown league, I'm going Mahomes. Like, I, I think it's easy Mahomes. It, it still might be Mahomes at four after I nitpick the whole thing. But if it's four, it certainly brings in Josh Allen. It certainly brings Jalen in Hurts. Jalen Hurts because yeah. they're going to run for a bunch of yep. touchdowns. I think that Buffalo is going to try to run with Allen less. So I'll go just to be different. Six-point passing touchdown league, give me Mahomes. Four-point passing touchdown league. Now Hurts gets hurt. I'll go Jalen Hurts. I think, but I think... The same thing that I said about Hurts, and you're right on with the Bills, too. I think both Buffalo and Philadelphia are going to try and minimize, or maybe not minimize, but make sure the workload is less on the running side for both those guys. They always say that, and then when the offense doesn't go well, they have to revert well, back or to Or when you just plan. get off script, right? Yeah. I mean, guys are going to – you can say that you're not going to script as many running plays for the quarterback, but when plays break down, they know that to just tuck it and run. I'm going to go off the books here. I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers, QB1. Both of you guys are going to be Jets fans all year now. No, I'm not. I just Aaron Rodgers is a bold take, man. Just, that is a that is a hot take. I don't know. Brees Hall out of the backfield. Like I think he's going to catch a lot of touchdown passes. I think we're still probably going to get Dalvin Cook. I love Garrett Wilson. I, I do just, too. I, you know where you know where, his, where they, what do they got as a tight end? They the have Conklin's their passing catching tight end, but yeah. they use like that CJ Uzuma guy as kind of their blocking guy. That's the guy that came from Cincinnati. Conklin's yeah. going to put up better fantasy numbers. Uzuma's going to play a lot, but I don't yeah. think he'll catch a lot of passes. He's not a bad player. No, but he's, it, they like Conklin more as a pass catcher, but they don't love him blocking. So, but they have they have weapons. They, I mean, you're talking about all over the field or a tight end? Oh, just end? that tight end. I mean, because we we know they have receivers, I mean, and they have even, running backs. Even Conklin's probably what tight end twenty. 
Like, I mean, he, he's not yeah, he's great. He's now fine, the, but he's not great. Now, the question with them, besides skill possessions, is just the durability and the ability of their offensive line. Yeah, it's yeah. Be a big Rogers. Now, Rogers, like where he's going amongst other quarterbacks in the NFL, he's like middle of the pack. Like, yeah. he's, he's quarterback fifteen. He's so Joe's on. taking quarterback fifteen to be quarterback one. That is a fire take. Yeah, because fire. a lot of people Why? when they're ranking because like, he's quarterback fifteen. Because take, if you don't run, these guys fall now. If it's a six-point lead, you have a better chance. But yeah. even then, it's quarterback 15. So it's Aaron Rodgers. That's just how hot of a take it Take's is. Take fantasy out of it, though. A lot of people are saying when they rank the quarterbacks in the NFL this year, he's still hovering around 6-7, six, 5-6-7. Seven, six, seven. Yeah, a lot of people think last year was the anomaly. Not, I don't think I, I think that it was a bad situation all the way around and he was hurt. Yeah. I think he's going to play better than that. But there's a lot of guys he's got to play better than to get into the top three, four, five. Yeah, that's, that's, that's hot. Now, I do think quarterback 15 is... Undervalued. I think he should be closer to like top ten ish, top twelve. I think I think fifteen's too low. All right, let's do. Uh, Aggie Matt says, "Don't forget Lamar with his new receivers." The thing with Lamar, that, that, that's the thing though is I don't think they want him to run. That's another one where they he's don't not, want him to run. He's not on the field, but, but, but instinct wise, yeah. he's still gonna run. He's just yeah. not on the field for me. Where I wouldn't even consider him part of the conversation. He's missed. Plus, I like think his offensive numbers games. go up on passing. Yeah, uh, wide receiver one is Jefferson. Anyone want to go? Anyone else? Nope, not me. Um, you guys going to play that Tyree, St. Brown card? Tyreek Hill wants to go for 2,000 yards this season, True. but he'll likely not have two at some point. Jamar Chase. It still comes down to two. I mean, Garrett Wilson? I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but who's throwing him the football? I mean, no, I don't right. know that I, I, because I know it's regular season Vikings football. It could, I mean, he, he produced numbers but Kirk, last year. And Kirk Cousins produces numbers in the regular season. And then if I look at, is Tua going to be healthy all year? For Tyreek Hill, you're going to tell me that what's his name, Mike White? It's, yeah, it's so hard to pick Are we against. going half-point PPR? Yeah, we'll go half-point. I think half-point right PPR or PPR, I think I think it's – I hate PPR, but I play in leagues with PPR. I think it's stupid. How about points per carry? Like, you get a catch for zero yards, you get a half-point, you get one point, it's stupid. But we're, I digress. It's one of my hot takes. Uh, it's a hill I die on. It's a good take. Justin Jefferson benefits from – PPR bonuses, half point, full point, because he catches more more balls than mo- almost everybody. Um, Jamar Chase, I think, is diminished a little bit in half point PPR, full point PPRs, because he's more of like a big game. He's not going to have like 10 catches in games. He's more of like a deep threat. I mean, Jamar Chase, I think, is better than Justin Jefferson. But from a fantasy football well, perspective, give yeah, me Justin sure. Jefferson, because I think he catches more passes. I, I don't think there's anybody if – Je- if Jefferson's healthy, I think he's fine. Uh, he's my number one. Cooper Cup's interesting to me. Because if Cooper Cup can replicate, he's coming off an injury. What he did two years ago, it's like the best receiver ever. Yeah, it's hard. It just he's not. He's coming off an injury, so yeah. it's, it's and, Jefferson. And it's the Rams and Stafford, but yeah. they might be down in a lot of games. So I, I I'm going to go chalk and go just real Jefferson. quick it, before we get to running backs. If it was PPR, would you take Justin Jefferson number one overall? Um, I'm probably taking Justin Justin Jefferson number one overall. Period. No matter what, yeah, I kind of agree. All right, uh, RB one. I'll go first because I'm gonna give you a. This might be a hot take. Scorching take. Another one. Give me Bijan. RB one. Sounds like Clyde Edwards Hilaire all over again. No, Bijan. RB one. Are we going half point or standard? Half point. Who okay. plays standard? Uh, most great leagues. Um, Is our league a standard league? The one I'm in no, with you? No, no, it's half point. Okay, half point. The other one's standard. I think Bijan Robinson, RB one. What scary is McCaffrey? If McCaffrey can, if you told me McCaffrey's healthy, I'm well, going McCaffrey. Duh. But McCaffrey always gets hurt. Yep. Eckler is also always well, a little banged up. Chubb doesn't catch a lot Taylor's, of passes. Taylor, because of the holdout, I think it's going to screw up everything. Should at the start be back of the year. this week. Should be, but still, is he going to be in the right frame of mind? Is he going to be in the right condition? Yeah. By the time this, I think he's going to get off to a slow start. Bijan's not terrible. How about Saquon? 
Like it. Let's say Quan yeah. Barkley. Playing on a one-year deal. Assuming McCaffrey's going to get hurt, Eckler's banged up, don't believe rookie running back, Chubb Saquon gets banged up doesn't too. catch a touch. What's that? Saquon gets banged but up, He usually too. plays. Like Aside from the year he missed the whole year, he plays. Because he's mostly been big injuries. Yeah. yeah. But the ankle was a— McCaffrey yeah. misses like two, three, three weeks all the time. Yeah. All the time. I'll go I'll go Saquon to be different. He's going Bijan. Who are you going with? Man. I, I could give you the hot take, but I don't think he's going to get enough rushing yards. I think he's going to get a boatload of receiving yards uh, from my team. Aaron Jones. Oh, I, Ooh, but I, don't, a hot take. I don't I don't hate it, though. I think Aaron Jones, because the, to protect the quarterback, because I, like I said, they're going to go to more of a Shanahan, get it out of Love's hands quickly and utilize the weapons. And Aaron Jones can catch it out of the backfield where they're going to move him around. I don't know that he's going to lead the league, but I think Aaron Jones' numbers are going to go way up because – He's not dealing with pass-happy Aaron Rodgers. The other reason why I'm anti-Aaron Jones for this conversation is I wonder if to protect Jordan Love, if we see more A.J. Dillon this year, and they just run the ball with Well, they're going to use everybody. They just found another kid that they just that are just raving about. So they got three running backs now that they're going to use and rotate. But, man. RB1, Justin Fields. (laughs) 8548 Sesame Street. Do you know how fantasy football works? If the Chiefs are blowing people out, they will run the football to waste clock, a.k.a. not good for quarterback fantasy stats. 8548, you're an idiot. You made the list of Bad Take Boulevard. The Kansas City Chiefs won 14 games last year, won the Super Bowl. And what did Pat Mahomes do? He led the NFL in passing touchdowns and passing yards. Rest my case. 713-780-3776, the HRP listener line. Astros lineup is out. What is wrong with Dusty's lineup? And James Harden. Had some things to say today. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You're back where you belong in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with the Killer Bees who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. All right, Dusty Baker's lineup is out. And it's a little different today. It's a little different today. Kyle Tucker's batting second. Where's Bregman batting? Bregman's batting third. So this is kind of a lineup that I've been interested in, and I'm very curious to see what it what it looks like. They're going Altuve, Tucker, Bregman, Jordan. So Dusty's breaking up the lefties because he mm-hmm. likes good lineup feng shui. Right. Dusty also likes to do that whenever there's a bunch of lefties in the other team's bullpen. I don't know what the Marlins' bullpen is like. Maybe they have multiple lefties, so he wants to break them up. Now, I like this. I like Kyle Tucker in the two-hole. The one thing that I would just throw out there, it's not a pushback. It's not a criticism. It's not any of that. Kyle Tucker's second in the league in RBIs, and now he's batting second. He's been pretty good in that cleanup spot. How do you feel about Jordan batting fourth? Love it. Okay. I love like, I, though, like To be completely honest with you, I think batting orders for the most part are very overrated. And I don't do anything stupid like bat Martin Maldonado leadoff and Jose Altuve ninth. Like, don't be dumb. But in any combination of those four guys in the top four spots, I would be okay with. Altuve, Tucker, Bregman, Alvarez, in any four spots, the top four in the order, I would be okay with. If they went Jordan leadoff, Tucker second, Bregman third, Altuve fourth, I'd be completely fine with it. Those four guys in any order, one through four, I do not care. The only thing I'd say is if if Jordan is, for the amount of at-bats they get in a game and because of the fact if Jordan is on his game, like – you know, Dusty and you and every we, we've all noticed he's just a slight bit off. If he was if he was hot, I'd prefer him to be in the top three hitters. But I'm not going to lose yeah. any sleep if he's fourth because the table will be set in a lot of ways for him to be able to knock guys in. But at least I've been adamant 
and there was a ton of pushback back in the day, and it, even from Palillo, when I was just like, I, if Springer's no longer your leadoff guy, I just always want Altuve there. And now that he's red hot too, the fact that he's batting first and setting the table, and you've got all those above average hitters behind him, this is the kind of offensive lineup that I really like in the top four. Now I'm going to have to ask you the question, is Yiner in the lineup? No, Yiner's not. Now, though, real quick with the four three-hole yep. spot, I think the I think the cleanup spot's so much more important than the three spot. So much more important. So, like, I have no problem with Is that because you, there's there's a lot of situations where there's two outs and you're batting with nobody on? That's the one spot in the lineup that bats the most with two outs, nobody on, mm-hmm. than any other spot in the lineup. And the cleanup spot's critical. Because if the cleanup spot's coming up in the first inning, that means there's a runner on base or right. you've already scored. Or if you go three up, three down, you're leading off the second inning. So I, I, I think I the cleanup spot... I get why you're thinking that way. To I me... Just... I think the cleanup spot and the leadoff spot are the two most important. And the two spots, not far off. You just know that New Wave Baseball now, it's Judge and Otani and all these guys, and they're trying to push them towards the leadoff or batting second. Yeah, I I, I don't mind this lineup. These four guys in any combination, top four, I'm fine. So, Tuve at second, Tucker and right, Bregman at third, middle three, Jordan DHs, which, you know what that means? Chaz is in left, batting fifth. John Singleton plays first, hits sixth, and then the bottom three, Pena at short, Myers in center, and then Maldonado, of course, is going to catch... Fromber Valdez. So that's the Astros lineup. You know there what? is a lefty. Braxton Garrett's a lefty for Miami. I so I think that's probably one reason why Yiner's not but in the you lineup. Know that's my issue. I, I just I want that kid in the lineup every single night right now. I, I know that right because of the the Big Bad John game. Big Bad And Joe, John. you definitely have to get that song loaded up. Big Bad but John. But I think because of everybody jumping on the Big John bandwagon, they're going to ride the wave. But I'm fine riding the wave. I just... I still want Yiner in the lineup somewhere his bat. I mean, he doesn't have to catch, but find a way to have him in the lineup right now when every single game is important to this team offensively because they're still chasing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to put a whole big fight about it. Now, if Yiner... I don't mind as much when Yiner doesn't play against lefties than righties. And with Fromber on the mound, Maldi's catching. When Jordan's DHing, then you're not going to play Yiner in left. And then at first base, you have a decision to make there. It, like Because you know Maldi's play, catching Fromber. If yeah, Jordan's a DH sure. that day, your decision your decision now becomes, is it Singleton or is it Yiner? That is your decision. Yeah. And you, you rather see Yiner in that spot, which I, would. I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Now, if it's a lefty, I don't mind it as much. Now, Singleton, of course, is a lefty, but he homered off a lefty the other day. Now, if it's against a righty, I don't think Yiner Diaz should ever sit against righties. Come ever, on. ever, 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 no, period. Well, and I don't think he should be sitting at all right now, but you're absolutely right yeah. on, on that, that front. And I'm not going to die on that hill either. 713-780-ESPN, 2831, Tucker and Yoran batting back-to-back has amazing statistical results. He's right, because both of those guys destroy lefties. But again. Any of those four in a top four, I, I'm not going to put a, a huge fight over. Um, James Harden, he was in yeah. China earlier today. I'm thankful to Ime Adoka, by the way, to avoid this whole James Harden saga. Um, what did you make of uh, what James Harden? What did he say? He said that Daryl Morey's a liar and he will never be part of an organization he's a part of. Yeah. Is what Harden will, said. Yeah. Do you have the audio, Joe, or just, we're just going with that? Yeah, look, to me, the bigger thing is, is that how quickly a kumbaya can go wrong. Because they kissed his, they kissed his ass here. Tad Brown and Daryl Morey did everything and anything to kiss James's ass all along the way, and that's what Daryl's basically done for his James's entire career. But I think that anybody that believes that Daryl Morey is going to tell you something and at face value that is going to be for the longevity of your contract for Daryl Morey going to be the, the 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 status quo and the norm, 
is just completely off base. I mean, players in the locker room used to laugh and talk all the time about being assets, about how Daryl was adamant that no, he doesn't treat his players like assets. No, I mean, he does try to give his players amenities and treat them really well while they're on the team. But if he's pursuing you, and this is the reason why J.J. Redick went back on an agreement to sign with the Rockets because he just he said, I'm not going to move my family and be the apple of Daryl's eye one year and then be an asset that can be traded the next no matter what contract I sign or how he said he promises to use me. I think James is finding the harsh reality because his ability went down of the fact that Daryl, more so the only one that's immune from Daryl Morey treating you like an asset, are his best players. But even in that regard, with what he did when he was here with Chris Paul and moving him and finding homes over and over again to try and pair another guy with James Harden, James is now facing the harsh reality that his teammates have faced for years, which is you are an asset when you play for Daryl. He's going to probably give you good money, but he's also going to treat you like a, a, a very, very interchangeable piece that can be moved on in a heartbeat. I think one thing that is kind of getting overlooked here, too, is where, where was where was James Harden at when he said this? China, China right? Yeah. How does China feel about Daryl Morey? Yeah, they don't like him a whole lot. They don't like him a whole lot. What is James Harden doing over there? He's doing like a clinic. I'm imagining these kids. They dedicated they, a gym to him, and he's doing, you know, he does a lot him? of Adidas. Adidas. Are they paying it's him? It's an Adidas world tour. So he's getting a little bit of comeback for all of this, right? So he's kind of, uh, He's kind of pandering to the audience, I think, a little yeah, bit here. Clicks that flashes. said, that said, I think he's, I think he's real. I don't think he wants to play for Philly this year. But the Phil, I mean, 76ers, oh, don't they hold the, all the leverage? Yeah, don't think for an instant, Daryl didn't they say you can't leverage. get this money anywhere else. We're going to give it to you. Yeah, and they then James the said, but move me. And and I, I think Daryl had this plan all along. He was going to pull this. All right, it's going to do it for us. Thanks to Joe George for doing all the hard work. He's blank on Branham. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Houston.